This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 175. Today, our special guest is Dr. Ann Deaton. Dr. Deaton is the author of VUCA Tools for a VUCA World, and in our interview with her, we discuss how leaders can leverage VUCA tools during these challenging times. Don't miss it. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders and the missing logic in healthcare, so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is Michelle. And this is Tracy. It's another glorious day. Another glorious day, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> another awesome interview with another awesome individual. Again, just so fortunate to have our lives enriched by all these incredible individuals in the world. Yes, yes. And this is someone that we've known for a while, and we've been waiting for the right time to have her on our podcast, and today's the day. Yeah. And when I think about her from the very first time I met her, and even after finishing this interview, it's just wisdom, solid, soothing. There's just something about her, just how she carries herself. I just, I admire her so much. Yeah, she's just got a very calming presence to her. She does. Right? Yeah. She just really helps you feel very comfortable and, um, and she's very, you can tell she's an intentional, thoughtful person. Yes. Yes. And we're speaking about Dr. Ann Deaton. Mm-hmm. And so let me introduce you to Ann and then we'll let you listen to this incredible interview. So Dr. Ann Deaton is a leadership and team coach. Her work focuses on individuals, teams, organizations, and communities experiencing significant change and growth. Ann completed her leadership coaching certification with the Newfield Network in 2003 and earned her professional certified coach designation from the International Coach Federation in 2006. And she is a certified team coaching practitioner as well. Prior to beginning her coaching career, Anne earned her doctorate in clinical psychology with specializations in health psychology and neuropsychology from the University of Texas. During a two-decade career in healthcare, she held supervisory and leadership roles in several healthcare and rehabilitation systems. In each of the systems, Anne had the opportunity to experience both the suffering that comes with unacknowledged paradox and the success that accompanies consciously assessing both and 
thinking. So without further ado, here's our interview with Dr. Ann Deaton. Welcome, Dr. Ann Deaton. It is so much our pleasure to have you here today with us on Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. I've been really excited about it. Thanks for the invite. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. And uh, we've been waiting for this day for a long time. You know, we had plans to have you on quite a long time ago, but you were a little bit busy being on my uh, dissertation committee. So (laughs) we thought we better wait till that was over. So now the day is here. (laughs) So you have a unique background when it comes to the work you bring to the world. And so we thought we could start with you just sharing a little bit about your journey from a clinical psychologist to coaching individuals and teams. So tell our listeners a little bit about that. Hmm. Yeah, great question. Um, Yeah, I I started my professional career as a clinical psychologist uh, specializing in health psychology and neuropsychology. So I I was most often meeting people at some of the worst times in their lives. Um, you know, after they'd been in a car accident or gotten a diagnosis they didn't want. And um, and then we actually, I was in a hospital setting and we merged with another healthcare facility. And as you know, with mergers, a lot of people were not too happy about it. And so <laughs> they brought in some coaches. Um, and so this was like late 1990s. They brought in two coaches to help with the merger and in the process identified some of us and said, you, you seven are going to be the transformation team and taught us some basic coaching skills. Um, and so, so learned about coaching and then went on and trained as a coach. And, you know, I think some people think they're very similar disciplines, psychology and coaching, and other people think they're complete opposites. Uh, and for me, just part of a continuum, like as a psychologist, mm-hmm. it felt like People came with, there's something wrong in my life, help me get back to baseline or back to normal. And as a coach, people are like, yeah, you know, I got a great life. Let me use that to do something extraordinary. So kind of using that baseline as a, a springboard. So mm-hmm. so for me, it, it's just a continuous career. But for some people, it feels like, wow, you've had two entirely different lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can see where that would be a continuum. Yeah, I can yeah. too. Yeah. I can yeah. too. Yeah. Well, and you authored the book VUCA Tools for a VUCA World, Developing Leaders and Teams for Sustainable Results. And uh, can you first tell our leaders what VUCA stands for and where that acronym came from? Yeah, absolutely, Michelle. Um, and and you said it right, VUCA, right? So sometimes people even stumble over VUCA, you know. And, um, <laughs> yeah. So it is VUCA, um, you know, which sounds harsh. The word itself sounds harsh. Um, and it actually came from the Army War College in the 1990s. And um, it was because they looked at how do we keep peace? Um, how do we fight wars and win wars? And they said the terrain is completely different now. What used to work cannot work anymore. It's a VUCA world. And for them, VUCA was an acronym that stood for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And so that's really where it came from. Um, 
funnily enough, it's still ambiguous who came up with it first. Um, so all we really know is Army War College somewhere in the, the early 1990s. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's so interesting. And it certainly does describe our world today. <laughs> you know, VUCA. Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So in your book, you talk about um, having VUCA tools to kind of, you know, well, well, I'll let you tell the listeners how those VUCA tools help serve them in a VUCA world. So tell us a little bit about the tools and what that yeah, stands well, for. Yeah, I, I mentioned earlier that I was a neuropsychologist early in my career. Um, and so what I know about our brains is we're really wired for threat. <laughs> and I think the original VUCA really captures that, you know, that that there's good reason to be vigilant. Um, and, and yet that felt to me like it was a recipe for surviving, but not thriving. And as I thought about the leaders I was working with, they really didn't want to just survive. They really wanted to thrive and they wanted their companies to thrive. So I thought that we're never going to get there by focusing on, on the volatility and uncertainty. We need to have other tools and, and then felt like, gosh, we do have these other tools. And and wonderfully, they make an acronym that's that's very similar. So, <laughs> so VUCA tools is um, values. So first and foremost, you know, what is it that gives us stable ground that helps us feel like we know what's important to us? And it's our values. That's how we make mm -hmm. decisions. That's how we choose how to spend our time. It's what we all try to true back to. Um, so our values. And then the other thing that felt like it gave us stable ground is knowing we're not alone. And so the us, that it's not just me trying to do anything. It is us. It's all of our stakeholders, all of our partners, our, our customers, our coworkers. And so values and us felt to me like those are the foundation that gives us that that sense that we're going to be okay. And then what carries us forward, because we don't want to just stay in one place, our curiosity and asking questions and learning and discovering what we don't yet know, and then aspirations. So where where are we headed? What's my desired outcome? So for me, VUCA tools was kind of that shift from from surviving, which is important and necessary, to actually thriving. Oh, that's so important. And we have a kind of a sur leadership survival boot camp because that's where people are, right? You got to right. meet them where they're at. They're just trying to survive right now, right? But we know that's not the end point. That's just the beginning, right? Like yeah. get what you need to kind of get you through and then think bigger picture. Think where you're going. Ask those questions of what's next and how can I get there and what do I aspire to have? And and I just, you know, it just what you're saying aligns so much too with kind of what we... yes what we work with, with our uh, clients and our coaching program is values, right? Like that's mm -hmm. your guardrails of your life, <laughs> right? If your guardrails are broken, you're off the road, right? You're just not on track. And so that's just uh, such an alignment. Well, yeah. Then uh, we work with leaders on meaningful dialogue, yep. which is all about inquiry and listening. So the, uh, you know, uh, so the curiosity and then yeah. the us is 
how important relationships and having healthy relationships to help yeah. us thrive as well. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a lot of synergies. Yeah, and, yeah. and I can yeah. see where you see all of these kind of work together, right? Yeah. The VUCA tools. Yeah, yeah, they really do. I mean, even as you're describing it with with your very similar tools, they do work together. It's, you know, we're curious and sometimes we're doing that solo, but most often we're curious in our conversations with others and learning from others. Um, and, and then, you know, our values, of course, it's our values and what's important to me. It's also what's important to our organization. And a lot of times it's, gosh, what do we both share as our values that might help us to, to, you know, negotiate or to, partner um, or to get over our disagreements? What are the values that we might share and align on? Right. Yeah. 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 It kind of takes us back to that kind of that essence of shared purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Where is our alignment so that we can move through challenging times? There's so many people right now, you know, they're, they're just, they're struggling with that connection back to the the shared values, right? There's just a lot of disconnect with what people have experienced. Um, it's such a unique time. What What are you noticing about that? Are you seeing anything in that regard? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you said um, people maybe are getting a little worrying that they're disconnecting from their values. What I've noticed these last, you know, now almost three years, I guess, two and a half years mm-hmm. is that many people got to breathe and reconnect with their values that the the sudden disruption you know in March 2020 one week we were going to the office and the next week we weren't unless we were essential right. essential people um, and yeah. so <laughs> you know i think for many people they realize gosh i really value my family and yet i'm not spending enough time with them and now here's this opportunity um, or I really value my health. And that means at this time, I have to make a real commitment to my health. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think in some respects, it helped us see the importance of our values and actually make decisions that aligned. And and coming back to that survive and thrive, mm-hmm. you know, often it's been about surviving. And yeah. our values really tend to be more about thriving. And so I think people got to juxtapose those two things. You know, I'm just trying to survive literally COVID. Mm -hmm. And now I get this opportunity to pause and think about what does thriving look like for me personally right now? Yeah, yeah. And I think where the disconnect was... Once they kind of got connected to their values, then it's what they're living in the environment that they're in that's out of alignment with their own personal values, right? So there's that, you know, that dissonance between what they value and what they're finding they're having, things they're having to do, decisions they're having to make that are out of alignment with what they value just because of the situation Mm -hmm. they were in, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I yeah. think in healthcare, in particular, which I know you you love, and that was my roots as well. Um, that you know, some of the values, health and people and safety, suddenly you couldn't honor those values. You yeah. couldn't even right. get enough masks to keep your team members safe. And and what do you do? Yeah. Because you also have to keep your patients safe. So I think it really did tear some people apart just the the inability to honor mm-hmm. their values. Yeah, yeah. 
lot of moral distress. Yeah. In the healthcare yeah. organizations, yeah. right? Yeah. Re- resulting in that kind of moral distress because of the things that they were having to do or the, the, the way that they had to deliver the care isn't the way that they would typically have done that, right. you know? Right. So, and a lot of leaders having to make decisions that they would never, ever want to make, you know? It's kind of being in that war zone kind of a, a, a scenario, you know, in those environments. And there's a lot of aftermath as a result of that. So Yeah. 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 yeah, and then yeah. institutions that we had historically been able to trust also didn't have the information they needed, and so yeah. that uncertainty oh, yeah. was at all these different levels. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely, and, and then in our work with them too. Um, you know, it's uh, kind of, they all want to identify this new normal. <laughs> There's been so much change, right? And so much upheaval that they keep going, where's the new normal? Where's the new normal? And they're looking for that stabilization, right? When they think about the, you know, the change and stability polarity, um, they've been living in the downside of so much change and they want to have that stability to say, this is what normal's going to be like now, but we're still in this state of flux. So, you know, how can VUCA tools help support healthcare leaders in creating or sustaining that kind of, you know, that what's ahead of them, right? Even mm-hmm. if they don't know exactly what that is yet, <laughs> mm-hmm. how, how does that help and, and, you know, help them? Yeah, well, I mean, you captured one, Tracy, which is change and stability. So, you know, so one thing they can do is really lean into what do we still know for sure? You know, what are, mm-hmm. what is that stability and consistency and predictability mm-hmm. that we still know for sure? And, and then what do we need to change? And what did we discover in these two years of having to do experiments? What did we discover that we want to now turn into best practices? Um, so I think that's certainly one. And, you know, the other that I hear very much in the conversations is, um, is hope and reality. So just that we have a reality we have to deal with, um, and it doesn't make any sense to deny the reality, but we can't live without hope. Um, and again, if you thought about our brains, when, when we feel hopeful, we start to look for answers, and it's harder to be depressed and anxious when we feel hopeful. So I think leaders can both embody hope themselves and also make that contagious. Also give other reasons, other people reasons to hope. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think for me, what comes up around that is, you know, seeing the positive in the current reality, right? Even though things are still extremely challenging and there's a lot going on, there are things that are strengths in this time. There are things that, to your point, that we're learning, right? And leaning into the positivity of that, to me, I think can bring help mm-hmm. to bring hope while we're looking at, so what's next? Where do mm-hmm. we go next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think another thing as I'm listening to you that I think of is, um, is the us piece of VUCA tools that, there was such a visible support for healthcare throughout this yes. time, you know, with people singing and signs and mm-hmm. applauding outside hospitals. And, and that was early on. I think what people really realized is 
we're partners in maintaining our health. It's not only about me and me not getting sick. It's about our health. And so, you know, that's a journey I don't think we've mastered for sure. But I, I think we're seeing a lot of bright spots, um, you know, just public health partnering with hospitals and with the citizens and individuals sometimes saying, gosh, I'm not the most important person to get a vaccine. This other group is. So I can see our care for one another is helping us honor this value of health that a lot of us do share. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that we've noticed in working with leaders when we bring them together is one of the most common thing we hear is it's so nice to know that I'm not alone in how I'm feeling or struggling as a leader going through this. And that really is the us part of your tools too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and connection for sure mitigates trauma, right? So as much trauma as healthcare leaders and we all have been experiencing, when we know we're not alone, then we are much more likely to be able to shift a little bit away from the trauma and the burnout. And it could still be stressful, but it's not really overwhelming us anymore when we're not alone. Yeah. 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 Well, you carry the burden together, right? Or you mm-hmm. move through the struggles together versus feeling like it's all sitting on my shoulders. And I think the other us is the leaders and the team. Yeah. You know, yeah. as well. Sure. And trying to get back to that state of mm-hmm. that shared purpose and us working together. You know, I think so much isolation happened during the pandemic and everybody was just heads down doing their role, right? Their part. And, yep. uh, and, and so much of those, um, opportunities to connect, right. We're, mm-hmm. we're challenged by virtual connections and people are longing to have that, that physical presence with each other and experience each other fully versus, you know, behind a mask or across a camera or. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other things I, I think of when you're talking about what's next, what might be the new normal, um, that for a lot of people, when they look back, they look with rose colored glasses. And truly, when we look back, it wasn't perfect before all this started. And so, <laughs> really consciously saying, what do I want to let go of that? that I'm, I'm ready to let go of. And what do I want to hold on to that truly I can appreciate was valuable then and is still valuable. So that new normal shouldn't be the same because we've discovered so much. It, it can be that combination of holding on to what's really deeply important and core to the mission and, and letting go of what doesn't serve us anymore. Yeah. Yeah. We well, say that all the time. Yeah. Well, individually it's, and as organizations, yes. right? At, at yep. both levels of that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What We become creatures of pattern and habit, right? <laughs> and it's easier to stay with what you know than it is to think out of the box, right? And really come up with uh, with those new ways of being and doing things and and healthcare doesn't move very fast. <laughs> it's not our strength. <laughs> well, you know, and, and when, when you made that comment about things weren't perfect before, as you know, Tracy and I started missing logic because what we saw was people trying to fix the same problems over and over and over again. And, you know, we've been in healthcare for so many years, and it's like we kept hearing the same conversations, which is why we're trying to bring polarities and polarity intelligence to the forefront. And 
Um, and so what are some of the common tensions or polarities that you've seen that leaders are really grappling today? We mentioned stability and change and a couple others, but mm-hmm. what are some of the other like ones that ri- have risen to the top during these times that you've seen? Yep. Yeah, I think we mentioned stability and change and survive and thrive and holding on and yep. letting go. Um, I think one of the ones I have heard a lot about is um, different words, but self-reliance and interdependence. Um, mm-hmm. That's many, many of us have a habit of doing things ourselves, um, sometimes because it's efficient, sometimes because we don't think anyone else could do it to our standards and often because we don't want to burden others. And so self-reliance and interdependence, really finding that Mm -hmm. sweet spot of asking for help and delegating and trusting. Um, So I hear that a lot. Um, Not always in those words, but that that tension. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, in healthcare, one of the interesting things is just about information. Um, so maybe the way I would capture it would be like, uh, information security and information access. So Uh that Mm -hmm. continues to be a tension. I think, um, sometimes we lean way towards information security, making sure with HIPAA and so forth that we, we protect patient data. Yeah. And other times with all the patient portals, we're really trying to make it accessible and usable. Um, So that's one I think that Mm -hmm. maybe we've made a bit of headway on because I know I had telemedicine appointments with my doctor these last two years, never had before. So I think that's a tension. Maybe we're actually um, feeling a little more hopeful about because we've had more experience with what does access potentially look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We actually had a podcast episode on virtual care and inpatient care mm-hmm. because, it, to your point, the pandemic just, even though many of us have been advocating for telehealth for so many years, it's just one of those things that the, it just, it was the catalyst to help really bring it forward. And that that's going to be the more in the future, too, that we can leverage technology get access to care that we need, especially for some of the minor ongoing things that we need. And still, we know we'll always need inpatient Mm -hmm, care for, mm -hmm. you know, intensive medical care, surgical care. Yeah, Mm -hmm. kind of thrust us into it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes that's what you got to have, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think we can hold that as an insult or as a gift, you know, and, and often exactly. we're better off when we hold it as, gosh, what a gift. Not I, I wouldn't have chosen the suddenness, but yeah, yeah. there have been gifts. Yeah, yes. yeah. I think that's what the way we've been trying to yeah. look at the whole pandemic and everything we experience is look for the gifts, right? Look for the positive things that have come out of it while we manage the things that weren't so positive, right? Or the challenges that we had to face is, you know, it's kind of that outcome orientation, right? <clears throat> Versus just mm-hmm. focusing on the yeah. problem. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you wrote your book kind of as a business fable, which I love books written like that. I just really get right into them. You know, it's like they're easy to read. But I just wonder why you chose that structure. And do you think it's easier to get a message across when you do it that way, when you choose that kind of a structure? I I do. You know, I think we all resonate with stories. 
you know, whether we're um, in leadership roles, we tell stories. And, and also when we're teaching, we tell stories. They're easier to remember. Um, for me, they also make it easier to capture the different leaders I've worked with, but without it being super clinical or, um, you know, just like I think every reader probably sees one leader in the book that they're like, yep, that's kind of like me. <laughs> um, or that's kind of like this person I worked with. Yeah. So I think the story engages people and it makes it more memorable. Um, it, it also in many ways was probably easier to write because I often felt like I was um, channeling the voices of these leaders who I got to know really well. Uh -huh. So I didn't necessarily have to write in my voice. I was actually channeling yeah. their energy, their voices. Um, so I think that that in some respects made it easier as a as a writer. Yeah, yeah. I think Michelle and I should I we should write our story as a fable. Oh yeah, because we have a story. <laughs> <laughs> How to work together when you are a walking polarity. <laughs> it's either a fairy tale There's, or a nightmare. Yeah, well, it all depends on how you look at it, right? The greater purpose or the deeper fear. <laughs> I do. I think it would be really fun to write our story that way, right? Because oh, how many yeah, people I sounds, have to try to... Sounds fun. How many us, right? How many uses out there, right? Like have those, you know, it's like yeah. being married. I mean, really, like when you're working that closely as partners in an organization or when you own your own company or whatever it is, yeah, right? You always have those dynamics and people struggle with it, right? And I just think, thank goodness we know about polarities because, oh my gosh, if we didn't, <laughs> as we're complete opposites no. in so many ways right not in our values where it really right. matters the values but, are totally aligned and yeah. the vision is yeah. totally yeah. aligned yeah but when it comes Emission. to how we look at things the lens <laughs> that we filter with a lot of differences oh, that's and so funny probably a big part of why you chose to work together are those differences yeah it, sure. al it always fascinates me that we recruit for diversity you know for different yeah. expertise skill sets Yep. lived experiences, vantage points. And then we're surprised that we have <laughs> conflict because of course we have conflict. Um, <laughs> That's a great point. Why would that you is, be surprised? Yeah, that is great. That is great. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, okay, Anne, it's time for the missing questions. We know you didn't sleep last night, so uh -oh, let's get these yeah, over this with. This part I've been worried about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're actually a lot of fun. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the first two questions, and Tracy's going to close this out with the wrap-up question. Okay, we want to know, what is your favorite way to travel, trains, planes, or automobiles, and why? Gosh, I, I would put them in the order of trains, autos, and then planes. Um, so okay. trains, trains because it's beautiful. You go through areas you can't drive through or, or walk through, um, and you don't have to pay attention to the road. So, um, so it feels very freeing to be on a train, and yet you can still move around on the train cars. Um, so I, I like that combination of, of freedom. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. autos, because you truly can decide where you're going to go. A- airplanes are the most confining and the most uh, that you're in somebody else's control for that couple of hours or a day. Um, so that's probably least, although the clouds are beautiful once you're up there. So Yeah, that's yeah. so true. Uh, I think it's amazing. I'm always amazed when I take off in a plane after all these years. Every time I'm like... Oh my uh, me gosh, too. How do we do this? Been traveling <laughs> yep. for years, still feel that way. I know. I still here we go. Time. Wow, it's amazing. It's, but yeah. I, I agree with you. I love traveling by train. It's yeah. it's very it's fun. And we're from the Midwest, so we don't we don't have a lot of train experience. But we went on trains overseas. Yeah, overseas we have. And then my oh, husband yeah. just said to me the other night, "I want to take a train across the country from Chicago to California." I'm like, okay. Yeah, let's do, do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ian. You are now planning your next big vacation. Tell us where you're going. Mm. Oh, that's I have a long, long list. Let me think what draws me today. Um, I guess I would say New Zealand. Um Oh. I think New Zealand. I, you know, I love different cultures. I love that about travel. And New Zealand's got an incredible woman leader, and it feels like they've mm. they've handled some of our challenges a little bit better than we have in the United States. Um, and then, you know, just different animals and a little bit different language and wonderful history. I don't know anything about the food, but I'm sure that would be wonderful too. So, and it takes, gosh, like a, over a day to get there. So it's not quick. I would definitely do an airplane for that one. <laughs> that would be a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. great. That's great. Okay. The wrap up question. Now, you know all about polarities and you know how important it is to know what your preference poll is, right? So what, the last question we're going to ask you is to share your preference poll when it comes to the dependability and playfulness polarity. Well, we've done a lot of laughing in, in this conversation. So um, I lean playfulness for sure. <laughs> um, I think maybe especially nowadays I have, you can't see my wall, but I have the word play in a um, picture on my wall. Um, I, I think it's really important that we be able to laugh together. And, you know, then I think we can have the serious conversations as well when we have those moments of ease and amusement and connection that come with play. Um, so, as you know, it's not like I would want to only play and never be dependable, but but I lean that right. way. And I, and I think maybe we could all lean that way a little bit more right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great, a great thought. You know, I think we, we had a couple of really serious years. Yes. <laughs> right. So yeah. yeah, a little play, a little fun, a little laughter and levity, <laughs> um, you know, can go a long way to your point. Oh, that's awesome. It is. That's great. Oh, what a wonderful time. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom and just a great conversation. Again, always learning, always expanding our perspectives and Yes. Thank you for that contribution. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much, Anne. It's been great. I'm really, I, I loved your book. Um, I love yes. the concept of having VUCA tools to really live in a VUCA world. I think that was an amazing concept to come up with. Yeah. And uh, we really hope our leaders and our leaders, our l- listeners enjoy it, who are leaders. <laughs> <laughs> They're not ours, but you know. 
And and, uh, yeah, we'll keep in touch. Yes, definitely. Yeah. 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 Thank you both. It's been really a lot of fun and your questions have helped me think about things in a different way. So your curiosity and our partnership really made it a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So thank you both. Oh, you're, you're so welcome. welcome. You're welcome. And for our listeners, that's a wrap for another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. Thank you again for sharing your time with us. And until next time, stay safe and stay healthy. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.